the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Yes, indeed, everybody. Dennis Prager here as we experience Groundhog Day. And any is there any way in which this Monday is different from last Monday or the previous Monday to that or the Monday before that, going back four months, five months? I heard the mayor of Los Angeles speak and... I, I really, uh, in in Eric Garcetti and Gavin Newsom, one sees the deterioration of the country. They they cause so much havoc that they do not take any responsibility for. It, it's a phenomenon, and of course, the press in no way challenges them. The press is an arm of the Democratic Party. Indeed, the press leads the Democratic Party. So he speaks about what a failure President Trump, who doesn't care about people, is because he's not sending tons of money to Los Angeles. This is the man who ruined, single-handedly, along with Newsom, the economy of California and Los Angeles, and then has the audacity to blame the president for not sending him money. I can wreck all I want and then you are responsible for paying for the wreckage. That's it. That, that is what it means to be a Democrat. And people, and pe- by the way, most of the people of L.A. believe what he said. Yeah, president, not doing anything. Who ruined your life? The president? So you want, you want a statistic, Californians? Your chance of dying, if you're not in a nursing home, your chance of dying of COVID in California is identical to your chance of dying in a car crash. Okay? It's approximately, uh, what is it, 1 in 10,000. And for that, you can't pay your mortgage, your business is collapsed, society is a wreck. So uh, that, that's, that's where we stand. We Democrats can wreck our cities, and then you bail us out. Thank you. I'm not even sure there's a thank you. But all is important, he ended his talk about not politicizing it, and he ended his talk by saying we have to get rid of Donald Trump. Did you hear that by any chance? Were you eating while you heard it? You never do that. That makes sense. I'm sorry to open up the week with such gravity. We live in grave times. The left is ruining our country. I'll give you another example of how the, uh, the left is ruining our country. 
the brainwash of the young. Do you know that uh, most Native Americans and most Americans absolutely oppose changing the Redskins' name? There's only one group that is favorable toward changing the name, and that's the youngest Americans. When I read that statistic, I that's that is really what sort of personified for me the the horror of your sending your kid to a regular school. By regular school, I mean non-home school or non-religious school, and to a regular college. They actually think Redskins is a is a racist name. I guess, look, if Aunt Jemima is racist and Trader Joe's products that have anything to do with non-American products, they're being accused of racism. Hmm. uh, Here it is. Less than 30% of Americans say Redskins should change their name. Far more Americans believe the name ought to remain than those who prefer a more culturally sensitive name. According to the poll conducted by Morning Consult, 49% of respondents believe the Redskins should keep their nickname, only 29% in favor of the upcoming change and 22% unsure. When broken down by generation, the nickname is less popular with Gen Z than with any others. 45% of Gen Z are in favor of changing the name, with only 23% supporting the nickname's maintenance. Millennials, Gen X, and Baby Boomers all see a larger percentage of their respective populations support keeping the name. Isn't that something? Half of Gen Z, 45%. Or worse, only 23% support keeping less, essentially one out of four, if the poll is accurate. I assume it's accurate. They have literally been taught not to think, literally. Now, you ready? The other potentially... Controversial mascots included the Chicago Blackhawks, 25%. The lack of thought, this this was actually done in honor of, of, of a, I believe, a chief Blackhawk. Did you know that? I think it was a chief. But in any event, it was done to honor. Let, let me make something clear. Nobody names a group generally speaking they're named after people they want to emulate right i mean the the padres the you know the yankees it's i mean you know the pittsburgh pirates okay so i'm you know ironically if you want to change a name pirates were bad guys but of course, morality doesn't enter into it. That the, the good and bad are not are not leftist divisions. Rich and poor are, black and white are. The Florida State Seminoles. Why is that bad? What if a team were named 
the Italians, right? Or or in Chicago, the Poles. There are a lot of Polish people there. The Chicago Poles. Would that be an insult to, 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 to Poland? If they were a team in Poland named the Americans, would, would Americans think it was an insult? So why is Indians an insult? Even growing up in the bad old, you know, uh, 50s, 60s, the child, the, uh, the Indians were, in my mind, brave and strong. That, that's why they were named after them, were the Braves. Atlanta Braves, 17%. Kansas City Chiefs, 16%. Notre Dame Fighting Irish, 16%. Edmonton Eskimos, 16%. I'm shocked only 16% on the Edmonton Eskimos. Now, finally, I want to remind you of something. 2016 Washington Post poll of Native Americans showed 90%. This was the Washington Post. This is the Washington newspaper that clamored for the name change. 90% of respondents of Native Americans were not bothered by the name. 78% found the debate unimportant. Everything that bugs the left is in the the realm of made up. And and listen to this. uh, Many took it even further and declared they like the team's name and find it supportive of Native Americans. The Washington Post results also fit a 2004 poll of Native Americans conducted by the University of Pennsylvania, which also saw 90% of respondents supporting the name. It's white leftists. Who was the black mayor who attacked the white leftists just, uh, just yesterday, this weekend? You're the rioters. We're not. Or and and you know, it's like that. You're more radical than we are. It's a very it's a, it's a very terrible time. I have no other way of describing it. But that is why, uh, look. Devote your life to saving this country. The Dennis Prager Show. President Trump has a huge announcement for his top supporters. You will be celebrating the 2020 Republican National Convention this summer, and he wants you to enter for your chance to join him at the convention. If you win, the team will cover the flight, hotel, and give you VIP passes for yourself and a guest. All you have to do is text Prager to 88022 for your chance to meet President Trump at the convention. Again, that's P-R-A-G-E-R to 88022 to enter to win this once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to be his special guest. Paid for by Donald J. Trump for President Incorporated. Okay. My name is Dennis Prager. And I weep for my country, but I will fight for it, because weeping doesn't doesn't work. Here's a way to help the cause. Sign up for my column each week. It's, it's free. Go to DennisPrager.com and sign up. I'm working my tail off for this country. Help me do it. If you deny now that the left wants to destroy America, 
you are not even a leftist. Leftists admit it. So the, uh, I mean, you, you read it all the time. Joe Biden, if he's elected, that's what's going to happen. It'll become essentially socialist. Do you know, uh, they, who wrote the article about how they'll want, it's not fair that the suburbs have a racial imbalance or uh, economic imbalance. So they're going to have, uh, you know, apparently, uh, they'll, the, the government will just have housing for poor people in suburbs. See, the notion that you work your way up to a better home in a better area is uh, is rejected. Any, anything to do with meritocracy is uh, is rejected on the left. Uh, the best example, I quoted this guy. You, if you're a longtime listener. You know how, this must be, I don't know, seven years ago, eight years ago, when I uh, when I wrote this, the chief music critic of the New York Times, classical music, Anthony Tomasini, I felt that he was a fool. He even entered, it's so a while ago, I wrote about him in my book on the left. He, he, he listed years ago what he thought were the 10 greatest composers. But he didn't include Haydn. He didn't include Handel. I don't think, I don't know if he included Schubert. Uh, and he wrote why. There were, there were too many Austrian and Hungar, Austrian and Hungarian, and, excuse me, Austrian and German composers. So he did affirmative action. So it's a lie, the list. It's not the 10 greatest composers. It's the 10 10 great composers of diversity. And sure enough, the man continues to be a moron. And he writes that they should end, end blind auditions for orchestras. Did you see that piece? You sent it to me. That implies you read it. Is that correct? You do a lot of reading. I want. I want to. I want to give. You, I want to read this to you. The the. Uh, you have to understand how large the, the. Do me a favor. Look through this this list, and I'll look through this one. And. Now, you must understand something. This is what's going to get you to show you how different America is today. Do you know why they instituted... uh, Not there? It's on top. You know why they instituted blind auditions? So as not to be racist or sexist. So the number of women has increased massively since they started blind auditions. Blind auditions being... You audition for the orchestra behind a curtain. So they can't they can't know if you're a friend. They can't know, oh, oh, my friend is his teacher, or, oh, I want a white male. Nothing. There's nothing you know physically about the person. The New York Times chief music critic wants to abolish it. 
to make orchestras more diverse and blind auditions. That's the title of the piece by Anthony Tomasini, a true man of the left, meaning he's a fool. He will wreck music. During the tumultuous summer of 1969, two black musicians accused the New York Philharmonic of discrimination. Earl Madison, a cellist, and J. Arthur Davis, a bassist, said they had been rejected for positions because of their race. The city's Commission on Human Rights decided against the musicians, but found that aspects of the orchestra's hiring system, especially regarding substitute and extra players, function as an old boys' network and were discriminatory. The ruling helped prod American orchestras finally to try and deal with the biases that have kept them overwhelmingly white and male. The Philharmonic and many other ensembles began to hold auditions behind a screen so that factors like race and gender would not influence strictly musical appraisals. Blind auditions, as they became known, proved transformative. The percentage of women in orchestras, which hovered under 6% in 1970, grew. Today, women make up a third of the Boston Symphony Orchestra, and they are half of the New York Philharmonic. Blind auditions change the face of American orchestras, but not enough. So let's get rid of it. We won't have musical standards for who gets into an orchestra. We'll have racial standards. If that is not racist, then truly I do not understand the the, uh, meaning of the term. This is the stuff, the crap, that you get from the New York Times on a daily basis. I predicted this man at least 10 years ago with his 10 greatest musicians. We can't take too many from Germany. The Dennis Prager Show. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. I had a thought. I want to continue this attack on blind auditions for orchestras. I had a thought this weekend. America is not hated because it is bad. America is hated because it is good. That's the way it works. The bad hate the good. There's never been an exception to that in history. And if you hate America, you're bad. See flaws in America... Fine. You hate Washington, you hate Jefferson, you hate Lincoln. You're a morally sick dude. They're morally sick at the New York Times, get it? The question is what produces such uh, bad people as to destroy something so good? The chaos that will envelop the world if the United States becomes a socialist country, adopts these policies, bankrupts itself, that's really what is involved as well. The only thing left for them to ruin is the military, and that, that's coming, I assure you. They will talk about the sexism in the armed forces feature cases of rape. It's, it's, it's the next thing. It's the only thing remaining that has not been fully uh, infected by leftism. If you hate America, it's a statement about you. 
It's also a statement about America because there's no exception. That's why I wrote in my book on anti-Semitism. It's called Why the Jews? And the uh, there's a chapter on anti-Americanism and a book on anti-Semitism. Because Jew, a Jew hatred and America hatred are very related. Who does the left hate second most to America? Israel. 200 countries on earth. And they, they chose the one Jewish state to hate, aside from America. The bad hate the good. So it has always been. The problem is too many of the good are weak. So if you don't fight, those who love God must hate evil from the Psalms. Thomasini, let's drop it. Let's drop blind auditions. The status quo is not working. If things are to change, ensembles must be able to take proactive steps to address the appalling racial imbalance that remains in their ranks. Blind auditions are no longer tenable. Get it? Now you have to look at the person and not hire on the basis of ability, which is the only basis that you you did before when you couldn't see the person. If the musicians on stage are going to better reflect the diversity of the community they serve, the audition process has to be altered to take into fuller account artists' backgrounds and experience. Removing the screen is a crucial step. Why does this not apply to sports? Sports do not reflect the communities that uh, that uh, that they... No sport does. New York Rangers are all white, and the New York Knicks are nearly all black. Nobody cares, because all you want is the best hockey player, and all you want is the best basketball player. Why isn't it applied to sports? Because the left advocates it. I put the question to Mr. McGill, the Philharmonic's principal clarinet, who's black, since 2014, who is more ambivalent about, about blind auditions than I am. Isn't that amazing? The, the one a full-time black member of the New York Phil doesn't agree with him. <laughs> I don't know what the right answers are, he said, adding that the screen has proved effective at eliminating the coziness that can creep into the audition process when members of the jury have worked with the person playing. And so much for the one black guy in the orchestra. <laughs> it's amazing. This is, the, this is the moral level of the New York Times. Our form of Pravda. Hi, everybody. Dennis Prager here. Oh, wait a minute. Tomasini, he's the man. Hey, hey, guys. Triple G. Tomasini, he's the man who told us who the hell are we to think Beethoven's third is great. When there's the Indonesian music. What was it again? What was the name? Gamelan music. 
This is the uh, this is Tomasini, the guy who wants to end blind auditions to become members of orchestras. The man the man is a fraud, and I hate to use it because he might be a nice guy personally. He's intellectually a fraud. Ideology trumps truth. Ideology trumps beauty. Ideology trumps excellence. Yep, that's what he wrote. Who are we to say Western music is any better than anybody else's? Who's to say Beethoven's third is better than Indonesian gamelan music? My suspicion is that Indonesians, who know both, think Western music is superior. That's no knock on gamelan music. I don't think Jewish music com- compares to classical music. And and some of it really deeply touches me. <laughs> this is the guy. I don't want to put too many Germans and Austrians on the top ten composers list. I don't want to choose members of orchestras uh, blindly. I, w- I want to see them. Oh, you're black. Then, hey, hey, we haven't had a black oboist in the Philharmonic ever. You know, of course, I've, uh, since the beginning of affirmative action, I've opposed it, and I've opposed it on behalf of blacks because I believe deeply in dignity. See, right now, the the first clarinetist of the New York Philharmonic is a black man. I assume he's a great clarinetist because I know that he got the position without any reference to his race. But as soon as you start making it race-based, I will just assume you may not have merited this position. Why does that help blacks? John McWhorter wrote his piece in The Atlantic, one of the few non-left-wing propaganda pieces in the Atlantic. He's a black professor at Columbia. Spoke about how dehumanizing this all this leftist rhetoric is, and he spoke specifically about white privilege. He said white privilege is a racist book. And and his point was truly superb. Truly the dehumanization of blacks. They are reduced to their skin color. And the moment you see a dark skin color, you assume the person is different from you. And and this is the rhetoric of the black and white left. Oh, you can't understand us. Really? So who can understand anybody? Can a black understand a Polish-American in Chicago? So instead, they they talk about about the Trump being divisive. Trump Trump believes in one American people. These are the people. They this is total divisiveness. Oh my God, James in Phoenix, Arizona. Hi, James. Hi. How you doing? I'm okay. My country's in trouble. Uh, What was that? I'm okay. My country is in trouble. Yes, it is. It's frightening. I was just calling to let people know I live in Arizona. I drive up to Colorado on a regular basis. 
And if you drive up that way, you go through the Navajo Nation, which is a large Indian reservation. And on that, there's a place called Red Mesa. It's right off of Highway 60 outside of Cayenta. And they call themselves the Redskins, the Red Mesa Redskins. That is the namesake of the high school there. What was the first name before? Yeah, yeah, I think people, people should know. If people found that so offensive, well, why would they name them? I, well, they don't. They don't, only leftists find it offensive. In, uh, Native Americans don't. That was my point. The, the, all the polls show this, including the ones made by the University of Pennsylvania and the Washington Post. What was the name of the school? It's in a place called Red Mesa, Arizona. Oh, so it's, it's the Red Mesa Redskins. Good. Uh, thank you for that. I appreciate it. The entire agenda of the left is to destroy. That is all. And, and since there's so much little bad to destroy, they destroy what isn't bad. Get it? That's the whole point. It gives these empty people meaning. What is it, the 50th day in a row of rioting in Portland? 53? Of, and, and a lot of it is violent. They're, they're completely boarded up. The people of Portland are bizarre to me. I mean, truly bizarre. That they elected a mayor who doesn't doesn't put this down isn't the first obligation of, of government to keep you safe. That's the first obligation. Beyond that, the rest is gravy. And then so the president decides to send in National Guard to quell the, the wanton destruction and and he screams at the president. There's part of me that wishes the president wouldn't send in anybody. You want to destroy yourself in Portland? This is the the crap you elect for mayor. You deserve it. I I, I live with your consequences. Uh, you in Portland, and if you uh, if you are one of the few uh, uh, level-headed human beings in Portland, get the hell out of there. I mean it. I, wish, I think there should be a transfer of populations at any event. Let conservatives build their own cities and, and let the left build its own. See who thrives. Hey, who's moving where? Are people moving into leftist areas? They're moving out of California. They're moving out of New York City. You notice that? Back in a moment. The Dennis Prager Show. Okay, everybody. Yeah, we got a caller in Portland who was in a bunker armed with a bazooka. Scott, hello in Portland. Hi there, Dennis, and the the world. Uh, Yes, we have a mayor who doesn't really care about the common citizen. Their only focus is uh, the miscreants, the the ingrates, and the hellraisers. So, good. I'm glad you called. What does the average citizen of Portland think that... Most people are to the left, leftists as you would call them. Apparently they like this mayor. They plan to re-vote him for mayor in November. So if I asked your neighbors what should be done about the violent rioting that has gone on now for two months... Well, I just found out that the young neighbor next door has been participating in this, and she got an earful from me. Her, do you know? Do you speak to her parents at all? No, I don't uh, generally. They've been kind of quiet over the years, but uh, 
uh, we had an encounter the other day. Uh, she had a concern, and I mentioned the, the, uh, the rioting downtown, and she said, oh, I participate. And she, uh, she seemed totally oblivious to rules, law, order, civil uh, respect. She just thought that that was what you do when you're stupid and uh, educated by the government over the last 20 years. How old is she? She's uh, early 20s. Right. And she went to college, I presume? Uh, I presume she has some college, uh, but the local public schools here, uh, middle through high school, I think they're just as bad. Oh, they are. No, no, you're absolutely right. Now college is irrelevant now. It just cements what has already uh, been paved. Right. So, so, but... Uh, still, what are the well? What do the business owners think? That's a problem that I have. We have had this problem for thirty years, uh, long before Antifa, uh, the ingrates, the miscreants, the the hate America first crowd has been here for a very long time, and the Chamber of Commerce seems to do absolutely nothing. It's like another world, Portland. It is indeed. It once was a beautiful city. It still has some uh, fantastic uh, places to go, places to see. But the total politics of this town has deteriorated. I have lived here 65 years and have seen my once beautiful city to the point where I cry. Um, For 35 years, I drove by the Washington statue that the president has mentioned. I drove by the other day, and it's just the pedestal that's standing. Wow. I cry with you.